This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can up to, open up to Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. And as we go there, um, where do I want to be? New King James? I think I'll be New King James. As we go there, I just kind of want to recap a couple of things that we've been talking about in the last couple classes here at the School of Word and Worship. Well, how's everyone doing? Sorry, I probably should start there. Everyone good? I know you guys come off like work and probably on 66. And so I just want to thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your yes. And I don't want to waste your time, seriously. So I take you guys very seriously. I really respect you guys so much. And I know God does too. And he's been really putting this stuff on my heart for you guys. So thank you for coming with an open heart. So I wanted to start in this place of recapping last week because, well, one, if you weren't here, you can just go listen to it. It's absolutely wonderful check it out. But one of the things that Pastor Kathy mentioned was that every revelation that we get from the Father is pregnant. So even if you were here and you got a revelation from God and you're like, yay, and it was wonderful, God's not done. He, he, he's, it's like an apple tree. It's like you have an apple tree and yes, absolutely you have access to apples, but within that apple tree is orchards. It is, there's no end to what God can do with what he's been speaking to you personally. So whether you missed it or you got it and you just want some more, I feel like I want to, I want to start at where we ended up last week. And so I can't, I don't have time to go into all of it, but some of the things that stuck out to me was just kind of reframing how we see faith. And one of the words we used was, um, it's, it's, uh, absolute trust, complete confidence in, um, one of the words that I wrote down was it's persuasion. Persuasion that comes from influence. So when I have faith from God, I'm actually persuaded. Directly from Him, I'm persuaded about something. Um, and all that influence is formed through these inputs directly from the Father. So God is persuaded, oh, you're a father of many nations, Abraham. You're fa- oh, come to me, Peter. Come walk on the waters. He's persuading him. He's convincing him. And then Peter walks out in full confidence. Abraham walks out in full confidence. These people of faith are walking out fully persuaded because of inputs that come directly from the Father. Oh, and I think we went to Matthew um, chapter 16. And so we're picking up here in Peter, and Peter is, is, has this exact thing we're talking about. He has this persuasion because Jesus is asking people, he's saying, who do people say that I am? What are people saying? Who am I? And Peter responds, you're the Messiah. You're, 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 you're Jesus Christ. And, and Jesus is like, you didn't get this from flesh and blood, but my father. He had a direct persuasion from God. He had faith from God. So we're picking up where Peter is there in chapter 16, verse 18 or 13. So I believe, all right, let me just get there with you guys. And the question I want to kind of linger with while we go here is how where the, where in the heaven did Peter get faith? So we'll, we'll find out here. It says uh, in verse 13, it says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I am or that I, the son of man am. So they said, some say you're John the Baptist some say you're Elijah, and others say you're Jeremiah or another one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered him and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. So, Peter had this influence, this, this persuasion. He had this confidence, this absolute trust, this direct input from the Father. He had faith. And where did it come from? 
It came directly from the Father. And Jesus was very clear. It did not come from, this trust he had did not come from what he saw in the flesh and what he saw in blood in, in the natural, but it came from the Father. It, it, it's, it's, um, I don't, I don't, I don't think we have time to go there, but I'm just going to mention it briefly. And Evangeline, I don't know if I gave this to you, but in John 12, um, verse 36, um, actually let's, uh, let me just go there. We're going to go there because it's a very important thing. We talk about fathering the, the relationship between father and trusting. Okay. So I'll go there with you and I don't have a little sticky note on it. So just bear with me. I'm going with one hand, two mics. And as we go there, just remember that Peter got his faith directly from the Father, not from flesh and blood. What did I say, John 12? Is someone there already? Beautiful. All right, we're 36. So it says this. So Jesus is talking. It says this. Put your trust in the light while there is still time. Then you'll become children of the light. And when I was reading that, I was like, that's kind of a weird thing to say. But God told me that whatever you put your trust in, you allow to become your father, to seed you. There's this thing that we talked about last week, talked about spermos, the word, the, the, what God is putting inside of us. And I'll tell you, at one point, it's weird to think about, but at one point, I, me, was just a little single cell sperm. And this is what I grew into. I just started as a little dot. That was it. And there are some things that God is depositing in us that come in so small, but they're, they're, they're growing. And we're, we're, by us allowing our hearts to fully trust the direct input from the Father, we're actually conceiving things and we're allowing him to actually father us and where we put our trust that's who we call our father we got a couple call it fathers to pick from but we won't we're talking about faith tonight but i always said there's a father of lies and there's a father of uh the living word and i like the second one so anyways let's go back to last week just, this, just finishing up the recap one of the other things that we talked about uh, pastor kathy mentioned in in romans 12 verse 17 it talks about how faith is formed and she described it as it's this, this persuasion, this absolute trust is, comes through these inputs. And I was sitting there at my desk listening to it and I was thinking of, oh my gosh, inputs. And I was triggered because um, when I was, I, I signed up for a gym and I went to a personal trainer and they give you a free personal trainer. And I was, I was not, I don't like it because they don't work out. They just talk to you. They're not, they're not like, let's work out. They're like, let me talk to you about your goals. I was like, I don't want goals. I want a six pack. That's what I want. And so they're like, here, let me tell you about the difference between your input goals and your output goals. And the difference between inputs and outputs is this. People go to trainers, they go to gyms, they say, I want, I want a six pack. I want to lose 20 pounds and I want to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And they go in the gym and nothing happens and they walk away frustrated. But they never went and looked at their input goals of I'm going to go to the gym three times a week. I'm going to drink water instead of soda every day. And I'm going to get seven hours of sleep at least every night. Things that they're putting input. It's as silly, this is how they explain it to me. It's as silly as buying a house with two stories and no stairs. You walk into the house and you see, oh, a whole nother level. That looks nice. But without the input goals, you just look at it and go, wow, that looks nice. There is no step by step. My Every day I go to the gym. Every And so there are things that we, like last week we talked about, 2 Timothy verse Chapter one, verse seven. And, and we're looking for these, these output goals of, um, you know, we want power and we want love and we want a sound mind. But the input we're putting in is fear. It's like we're allowing fear to come and like seed how we think and how what we believe and stuff. And it's like, it's as silly as me saying, I want a six pack, but I go eat beer and, or drink beer and, you know, eat pizza. You know, it, it, it can be as disappointing, as frustrating as that. 
Does that make sense? There's no condemnation against beer and pizza. I'm not here to say that. And my gut is, is not either. But, but I wanted to bring that up because sometimes we can walk through these frustrations of um, we can see what the word has to say about healing. We can see what it has to say about um, prosperity. You name it. What is it? What else? We can see what it has to say. Oh, by his stripes, I'm healed. And we're looking at the seventh, second level of this house, but we have no inputs to actually get us there. Nothing to actually put our weight on. No stairs to actually walk us into what God's doing. Does that make sense? So I want to talk about that tonight, just a little bit. Cool? Okay. Let me just, I have so many things on this table. Just pardon me for a second. Okay. So how do we build those inputs? Oh, wait, hold on. I have one more thing to say. I forgot. Um, it could be so frustrating when you look at the second level of house and you have no stairs. So without input goals to stand on or to step on, we'll be forced to settle for knowing about these things but never actually walking into them. Knowing about healing, but never walking in it. Knowing about prosperity, but never walking in it without these inputs. So how do we get these inputs? And that's where you got Romans 10, 17, where it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Um, in, that, in that context of what we learned last week of faith being this complete trust on God, let's kind of reread that and reframe that. The ability to completely rely on something comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. The absolute trust that Peter walked in and Abraham walked in and we can walk in, the absolute confidence that comes directly from the Father comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. That's something to chew on. But just be careful because when I first heard this, I thought to myself, I know what I'll do. I'll put on the Bible app. And I'll just listen to it on repeat while I go to sleep. Because I'm hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. Yes, sucker, I got faith now. And, and don't get me wrong, that's not a bad idea. Honestly, if you guys can use the word of God. We all can use the word of God on repeat, okay? I'm not saying don't do that. But there's two different words there. The, the written word of God that we can pick up and read with our, with our hands and stuff like that. The written word of God is different than what this word of God is talking about, the rhema. The rhema, it's, it's defined as a living being speaking to you. And God is spirit, so it's spirit-to-spirit spirit communication. Does that make sense? So when he's saying hearing, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God, it's coming from that spirit-to-spirit spirit communication directly from the Father. It's not just picking up the word of God. I mean, Pastor Gavin talks about the word of God as a, a menu. There's a difference between a menu that says a nine-ounce filet mignon wrapped in bacon. And when they come and they bring me the nine-ounce filet mignon wrapped in bacon, there's a difference. There's a difference between picking up a menu and eating it and picking up a steak and eating it. You see what I'm saying? It's beautiful. It's beautiful knowing that they have it, but it's, it's, it's actually life-changing to put that thing in your mouth and eat it, you know? And I mean, one day I was at Home Depot really late because my wife is really pregnant and she's just, you know, deciding on the fly if we want to re redo our kitchen right now, nine o'clock, let's get new paint, let's go. And so I'm there, I'm tired, and I'm like, just give me anything, I don't even care what it is, but I need a couple of tools. So I pick it up and I buy it and I walk out with a receipt in my hand and that's it. I walked all the way out of the store with just the receipt. I left the tool right there. Now, don't get me wrong, it tells me exactly what the tool is, but there's a huge difference between, if I went to go, to go home to redo my cabinets with a gosh darn receipt, I would be very sad. I almost was very sad, but God was like, don't forget the tool. There's a difference between the tool and the receipt. You see what I'm saying? One can actually fix my cabinets, the other one is just, it, it, it tells me about that. There's a difference between the menu and the steak. One I can sink my teeth into. Does that make sense? 
And so just one helpful tool, like we're talking about walking in faith and establishing ourselves in faith. Can I just tell you, and I'm not an expert by any means, but one thing that got me here after 13 years of growing in faith and being like raised and cutting my teeth on some of this stuff and running with and learning from people at Pastor Barry is they always would tell me, bring my word. I didn't get it. Bring my word, bring a journal, get in the word. And I was like, I didn't get it. But then once I started understanding how the menu introduces me to the steak. The receipt tells me about the tool. That's when I said, oh, oh my gosh. The, the written word of God introduced me to that living word of God. So I would get in my word and I'd find, oh, you, you're saying that your unfailing love reaches beyond the heavens. Oh, and your faithfulness is like the mountains and your justice like the ocean's depths. Oh my gosh. And I would be like, that's great, but um, you know, what does that actually look like in my life? And the, and the menu started introducing me, oh, to his unfailing love and his kindness and his mercy and his justice and his faithfulness. You see what I'm saying? But it was the, it was the menu who told me about it, right? Does that make sense? And that might be helpful. Some of you guys are nodding your head like you already know this, but let me tell you another thing for people who are still learning it. And that is that the rhema, the, the spoken word of God, never contradicts the written word of God. So I would get words from God. I don't know if you guys have ever been there, but you'd hear things that God would say. You'd feel it in your spirit. You'd get a picture or a sensing or, a, or an idea or a, um, it's just a random unction from God. And, and you'd feel it pull you one way, but you're like, I don't know, I'm sure if it's you or not. I learned to just take every living word I get from God and see if I can confirm it in here, in this book, because they will never contradict. They will always affirm, but this, because this is, yeah, I'll just leave that there. Okay, but no, I'll, I'll say, yeah, we'll leave it there. Okay, cool. Does that make sense? Is that helpful? Okay, so here's the thing is, I, I'm, I'm wanting to give you guys some tips on, on how to grow in faith. Um, but let me tell you this. I would get, I would get in my word, I'd get revelation from God, just like Peter. Oh yeah, I got my revelation from God. And I would get in my, um, my, my prophetic words over me and I'd find them in the word. I'd be getting these revelations to be solidified. I'd be growing in faith. And let me tell you one thing that I wish I knew when I was first getting started. You guys want to know? The tip I wish I knew is if you just know the revelation, and that's, that's it, you don't do anything with it, it dies. Oh, that was a tough pill to swallow. It's really quiet in here. Let me, let me say it like this. You know, we talked about the two-story house with no stairs, right? Imagine if I gave you stairs, but you never stepped on one. You never put your weight on that actual stair. You have these inputs that God's putting in your life, and you're just like, oh, these are such pretty stairs, but you never actually use them. Then there's no point of even having it upstairs. You're still in the place of knowing, that, knowing something, but never ever actually walking in it. Does that make sense? <sighs> so back to what Jesus was doing with Peter. Um, He was inviting Peter to step on some stairs. He was giving, see, see he was kind of testing him like, oh, who do people say? Like Jesus was not sitting there having an identity crisis with Peter in, in Matthew 16. He wasn't like, who am I? What are people saying I am? Uh, what are people what are gossiping about me? This is not Jesus' conversation. Jesus was saying, Jesus was presenting Peter with an opportunity to manifest what the Father had already put inside of him. This, 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 another word for it's like people say like in the Bible, he was testing him. And I think we need to reframe testing. I do this with Levi literally all the time. I tell, I say, Levi, we're going to Chick-fil-A. We're going to the play place. We're going to have a ball. And he goes, yes. And he gets wild. That's faith. That's faith right there. I'll tell you. I say, I'm going. And the second he hears that, he starts going buck wild as if he's already there. He's not there. He hopes we'll go there. 
He can't see it yet, but, he, but he's standing on a word from the Father. See, he's actually operating in faith the second I say, we're going to Chick-fil-A, we're going to the play place, right? But sometimes we go to the play place and we get home and he's all tired. And I ask him a question. I do the same thing Jesus did with Peter. I said, hey, what'd you do today, bud? Did you go to Chick-fil-A? I know he went to Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I don't have amnesia. I'm not forgetting what happened. I know what happened. I'm giving him an opportunity to go back to that place of, yeah, I went to Chick-fil-A to manifest what we, I'd already put inside of him. Does that make sense? So it's not about the answer. I know the answer. Jesus knew the answer. It's an opportunity to manifest the faith that, Peter, um, that God puts in us. For example, Peter says, I know you're the Messiah. Jesus knows you're the Messiah too. But that revelation that God put in Peter, he got to actually walk out when Jesus asked him. Um, let me give you another. We're talking about three of my favorite people. We got Abraham, we got Peter, and we got Levi. So let me go back to Levi real quick. Um, we go to the Home Depot again, all right? Remember the context of this. You know, we're redoing our kitchen. Very pregnant wife, she wants it all done, ready? So if you don't, um, if you don't uh, know, I'm much stronger than Levi. He's only three. But sometimes I tell him, you're so strong, and I let him carry things. If I don't let him carry things, then what I'm imparting into him, you're so strong, my strong man, oh, what a strong guy, then it never gets a chance to manifest. It could be a paper bag. It could be a bag full of groceries. It could be an empty bucket. It could be a full bucket. But I'm saying you're so strong, but then I'm handing him heavy things to carry. So what I'm saying can actually be manifest in him. Does that make sense? It's not really about the test. It's about the opportunity for us to manifest God's glory. Okay, and that word manifest is a little bit um, tricky because some people don't use it too often, but it means a manifestation is an event or an action that clearly shows something, especially something that's kind of hard to grasp, right? So when we're manifesting what God has put inside of us, we're clearly showing it's an event, it's an action that's clearly pointed to I am a father of many nations, or I am a strong man if you're a Levi, or you are the Messiah. Does that make sense? Okay. It's an opportunity. So, so even talking about um, Abraham, uh, this, this idea of reframing how we look at like testing, as, it's really just an opportunity for him to manifest what he's put inside of us. Abraham was tested with Isaac. He had the promise. He had everything that God, not everything, but he had the start of what God spoke to him about. And God said, I want you to offer him up. And that test, it's not like a pass or fail situation. It's not like if he does it, oh, oh, you know, I better, no, no, no. It's an opportunity to put on display what God had put in Abraham. Does that make sense? There are things that God has been speaking to you and God is just waiting to put them on display. So I gave you my helpful hints for, um, you know, getting the word and stuff. Uh, my helpful hint for testing is it's just an opportunity to put, to act on, to, to move out, to step out in action, to put on display what God's been putting uh, inside of us. Can I give you some testing tips though? Just like, cause, cause some of the stuff can be fun to know, but like, but like some testing tips I wish I knew is it's not always about the task. In fact, it's not about the task. It's about who we are. It's not about me needing help carrying things in Home Depot with Levi. I'm not like, man, this stuff is really heavy. I hope my three-year-old son can help me. It's not about that. It's about me saying, you are so strong, and then giving an op opportunity for him to realize how strong he is. I can carry the bucket on my own. I know 
he can carry the bucket. I don't need it. Oh, I wonder if he can carry it. Like, like God was not saying, I wonder if Abraham would do this thing with Isaac or not. He wasn't unsure about it. He knew it was going to happen, but Abraham didn't yet. So it's not about what he has in his hands, Abraham or Levi or me. It's about what God has spoken to his heart. It's not about what we have in our hands. It's about what God has spoken to our heart. His identity is being formed in this. <sighs> Obviously, see, there's a, I know we're kind of getting like, like into the nitty gritty. We're kind of zooming more and more in and that can be monotonous. But let me just say this. I have mistaken Abraham. Um, accomplishments for something that really weren't. I was like, man, Abraham had faith to have a son. And we see faith as this thing to accomplish a task, but faith is not just simply to accomplish tasks. In fact, he had a son with Hagar. He had a son. He had no issue having a son. I mean, believe me, he's kind of kind of not weary about it. When God told, told him at age 75, you're going to have a son, he's like, I don't know about this, whatever. Then age 86, he had a son with Hagar. Having a son was not what he needed faith for. He said, I am going to make you a great nation. Genesis chapter, two, chapter 12, verse 2. I'm going to make you a great nation. Genesis 17, verse 5 says that I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And when you look at this, God is not looking at, I just want you to have a kid. You need faith to have a kid for sure. But God is not focused on you having a kid. He can have a kid. There's a difference between father of many nations and just being a father. And what God's doing here, what God's doing here is taking our focus of faith off of just let me fix my finances, let me fix my marriage, let me fix my you know relationship. Oh, I need I need whatever, and going to what is He solidifying in me about myself? What is He doing in there? Yeah, what God is speaking to us as sons is not so much about the task, but more so about transformation. So this testing, this opportunity for us to manifest what he's put inside of us is wonderful, but it's not about the task he's testing us with. It's actually about transformation. <sighs> Can I give you some tips for transformation? So we got our tips for testing, right? And then you got some tips for transformation. Okay, so here it is. Just because the task changes doesn't mean God's word does. Just because our circumstances shift doesn't mean God's like, oh, um, now I have to give you a new word. <sighs> Let me, let me say it like this. We'll go back to, before we go to Abraham, let's go to Levi. When Levi was younger, I just gave him an empty grocery bag as we walked to the store. And I said, you're such a strong man. He would just walk around with a bunch of empty grocery bags. And then he got a little older and I started putting some chips in them. And he was real serious about that. And he started going, and then we got to Home Depot and he started carrying a bucket, which is way heavier, but it was empty. And then he started ha having a bucket with a couple of things in them. And he was like, oh, but the whole time I wasn't saying a new word. I was saying, you're a strong man with an empty bag. You're a strong man with a full bag. You're a strong man with a bucket. You're a strong man with a full bucket. No matter what he was carrying, the circumstances changed it, but the word I was trying to solidify in him was still the same. He was walking into a new expression of what it looks like to be a strong man. Abraham was doing the same thing. I'm telling you, it looks way, oh God, please, please, Jesus, hold me just for a second. I was about to just preach at you guys, but I really want you guys, and I really, from the bottom of my heart, I could cry thinking about it. I want to unpack this for you so you can walk in it when things get hard. I don't want to just excite you guys about being a strong man. I want you when push comes to shove, when the rubber hits the road, that you can actually step out in faith in what God is developing in you right now. When Abraham was 75 years old, father of many nations looked way different than when Abraham was 99 years old. Different expression. When Abraham was with Hagar, when Abraham was 
in the mountain about to sacrifice Isaac. Those are way different expressions. Same word, different expressions. It is the same word with a different expression. Empty bag, full bag, full bucket, empty bucket, whatever it is. You're a strong man. It's the same word. As, as I put more and more weight in Levi's hands, I put more and more weight on the word that I put in his heart. I put more weight on the word that I put in Levi's heart by putting more weight in his hands. It's a different expression. It's more weight, but it's the same word that's being solidified in him. And as we get into new situations, God gets an opportunity to solidify who we are and who he says we are. We look at task after task and we're like, oh, a new job, a new boss, a new problem. We look at, oh, a new traffic, a new, a new situation in my family. It, it can shift. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tread very carefully here because I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. So this is not for everyone in here, but I'll just say it because I wish I heard this. A lot of times in life, when I would have a problem or a problem would pop up, I used to beg God. I used to beg God for a new word. God, give me a new word for our finances. Give me a new word for my health. Give me a new word for this offense in my heart. God, give me a new... When he had already given me one, he just hadn't finished solidifying it in me yet. Let me say it like this. In Hebrews 12, it says that God is the, Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. The author and the finisher. I was like, I was carrying my little paper bag saying, I'm a strong man. I said, you're all done, Jesus. I can carry this paper bag. <laughs> I'm serious. Sometimes I would do that. And a new situation would come and I'll go, <laughs> God was like, calm down, calm down. You are a strong man, but you don't know how strong you are yet. So let me put this in your hands and see what you do with it. And, and, I, and I'm not sitting here saying that God doesn't speak to us new words in new situations. I'm not saying that at all. He does that. I'm just saying it's easier for me to look for a new word than to do what he said about the old word. You see what I'm saying? This, as we're walking in faith, that's what I'm talking about, is it can be so easy for us to say, oh, a new problem, let me... God just, you know, uh, I'll say from personal experience, and please just don't hold this against me, but one day um, God said, I want you to fast for X amount of time. And I was, I was not, I said, oh, thank you, God. I knew it was him. I could feel it in my bones. And then I got hungry a few hours later. And I was like, all right, God, if you really want me to fast, if you really want me to fast, just speak to me, speak to me, please, God. And you can ask Megan, there's times where I come home and I'll grab this donut and I'll put it on a plate and I'll touch it with my finger and I'll put it on my lip and then I'll hand it to her. And she's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I don't say this. She's finding this out right now. But it's because God had told me to fast that stinking donut. And I still tried to convince myself, maybe maybe if, maybe if this happens, if this mat is wet in the morning, like, uh, who is that? Was that Gideon? Yeah. I was like, show me a sign, Lord, that I can eat this. These yeah, the, the fleece. Listen, man. I'm telling you, sometimes we're looking because it's easier to hear a new word from God than just to stand on what he said. He talked, he talked to me when I wasn't hungry. Of course, I'll be like, yes. And then when he gets hungry, do I, do I change what I, did he change what he said? Oh, and I'm sitting here saying, God, give me more faith. Give me another input. I'm see what is faith? Wait, faith is that direct input from the Father, right? And so I have my faith. I go to step out on it. I get hungry and I'm like, all right, uh, um, <clears throat> no, I don't like this. Give me another faith. Okay, can I have another one, please? Go, go, to, Luke, um, chapter, go to Luke chapter 17, verse 5. 
Um, and while we go there, Jesus, I'm just give you some context. Jesus is sitting there talking to his apostles about um, uh, chapter 17, verse 5. Luke, Luke chapter 17, verse 5. Jesus is talking to the apostles about forgiveness. He's talking about forgive people seven times each time. And again, I ask forgiveness. You must forgive, yada, yada, right? Their direct response is kind of wild. Verse 5 says this. The apostles said to the Lord, I'm reading out the NLT. It says this. It says, show us how to increase our faith. Good question, right? Jesus said, if you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and thrown into the sea, and it would obey you. When a servant comes in from plowing or take, taking care of the sheep, does, he ask, does his master say, come in and eat with me? No. He says, prepare my meal, put on your apron and serve me while I eat. Then you can eat later. And does the master thank the servant for what he's doing or what he's told him to do? Of course not. In the same way, when you obey me, you would say, we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. See, when I first read this, I felt, I was like, God, you're such a mean one. You're so mean, God. They're sitting here asking to grow in faith. And Jesus is like, listen, do your job. <laughs> like, that's how I read it. I was like, God, you're so mean. But what I was realizing is Jesus wasn't saying you're unworthy, you're a worm of the dust. No, no, no. He was saying they were asking for more faith. And he was saying, you only need a little bit of faith. You don't need too much. If you, in fact, if you have a little bit, you can throw this tree in the ocean, no questions. That's not what you need. What you actually need is, is um, to do what I told you to do. You can actually do a lot with a little bit of faith, but the key is you have to actually do something with it. You see what I'm saying? This is what Jesus, Jesus is not being mean here. He's saying you're looking for faith, but you would actually, what you're looking for is, is found if you just keep doing what I'm saying. See, I don't say it that well, so let's look at Abraham. Okay, go to Abraham. So go to Abraham. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Go to Genesis chapter 22, verse 3. And let's just recap for a little bit as we go there. I'm wanting to eat this donut. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. But no, we can't use that. I'm wanting to eat this donut and God, uh, because God, God said to fast, I'm looking for more faith. God, give me another direct input from you. God, give me something else. Give me another word. And Jesus is saying, you don't need another word. You need to walk out what I told you to do. I'm still not done manifesting what I've put inside you. I'm still not done testing. Remember the test, testing is really manifesting. I'm still not done. And this task of me not eating a donut or this task, whatever God's put on your heart to do is not about the task. It's not about me being hungry. It's actually about me being transformed. It's about him solidifying you're a father of many nations. You're a strong man. You're, you're a living pillar, he calls me. And even though it looks different because it's a donut and not, you know, it looks different when I'm hungry versus when I'm not hungry. It's a different expression. Just because it's a different expression doesn't mean God needs to give me a new word. The word is still fast. It's just a different expression. Now I'm hungry. What does fasting look like when I'm hungry? It's a little bit more weight on the word that God put in me. It's a little bit more, more weight in my hands, but really it's a little bit more weight on the word that God put in my heart. And this is what God's doing as he tests Abraham in chapter 22 of Genesis. Um, oh, my new King James. Get out of here. Okay, so we're going to chapter 22, Genesis chapter 22. Anywhere you go, let me go to. I've been listening to a lot of the Phantom of the Opera, and it's been ministering to my heart. Hold on, as we, just, as we turn there, as we turn there. Sorry, no, I'm just turning there. This is just that, this is like a commercial as we turn, okay? 
Okay, so no, but seriously, the song is anywhere we go, let you let me go too. And it's like, as we go to Genesis, let him go too, okay? Thank you, Jesus. All right, so Genesis chapter 22, and it says this. I didn't give you this one, um, Evangeline, but just, we're gonna be in three, but let me just say this. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Okay, remember what, test, what he's doing. He's, he's giving Abraham an opportunity to manifest what he's put inside of him. And he said to Abraham, Abraham, he said, here I am. Um, he said, take your son, your only one, Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering um, on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. Okay. So here we have a direct input from the father. He has faith. Abraham has faith. Okay. Let me tell you what happens next. I think you won't even believe me. I'm going to fly through this because I've highlighted it. But remember the context of what we're saying is sometimes we look for a new word, but God is still trying to solidify the word that he already given us and we have not acted on it. They're saying, give us faith. And God, Jesus is saying, you only need a little bit of faith. Or what have I done here? They're saying, give us more faith. And he said, you don't need a lot. You just got to do something with what you got. <laughs> That's what I wrote down there. All right, so Abraham's sitting here. He doesn't need a lot of faith. He just needs one sentence. But he, this is what he did. So Abraham rose early in the morning. He saddled up his donkey. He took two of his young men. He split the wood. He arose and went to the place that God pointed out to him. He took the wood. He took the fire. Um, he... Uh, Oh, the two of them went together. He went with his son. He built an altar. He placed the wood on the altar. He bound Isaac. He stretched out his hand and he took a knife. All of these things are action words. He had one word and he had like 15 things he did with that one word. We have 15 problems and we're like, give me a word for each one of them. He's still solidifying the one he spoke to us. <sighs> Same word. At the end of this, it says, it says, in your seed, all, oh, sorry, I'm, I'm going to verse 18 here. It says, in your seed, oh yeah, in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. See, in that obedience, that's the, the same thing as us stepping in the, on those inputs, putting weight on those inputs, like we talked about with the two-level house at the very beginning. If we actually get these inputs from God and we put our weight on them and we actually step on them and we, put, we act on them, then we start to manifest the truth that's inside of us. He starts to transform us um, into what he's trying to transform us into. And we actually get to experience the second level. He got to experience being the father of many nations because he was obeying his father. I'll end with Peter, I think. So we'll go back to Matthew 13, sorry, 16, verse 13. And I don't even know if I'll open this up on, in my Bible. I'll just say it like this. When I was being raised in church, there was a big debate of this conversation between Jesus and Peter. And Jesus said, you know, blessed are thou, Peter, because flesh and blood had not really revealed this unto you, but my Father in heaven. And then he says, and on this rock, I call you Peter, and on this rock, I'll build my church. And when I was being raised, I was taught that Jesus built the rock, like built his church on Peter, you know? And then I learned, you know, it wasn't that Jesus was building on Peter, this man whose name is Rock now, and I'm going to build this. He's not talking about a person. He's talking about the revelation of who Christ is, right? 
Oh yeah, you like that one more. I said, this is the house I learned in now. Of course you like that one more. But let me say this. Let me say this. We like to separate those two things. But when I got before God with this stuff, he was saying the revelation that came directly from the Father changed who Peter was. What God was speaking and solidifying, and Jesus gave the opportunity for Peter to manifest, and he came and said, here's it. As he manifested who God was, what God developed was, what God was developing inside of him, Jesus said, you know what? You're Peter now. You're completely different. You look at Abraham, God, God's, God never called him Abraham his whole life. He was Abraham for a while, but the faith that was inside of him actually transformed who he was and, cha- and changed who he was. When our faith is tested, it's manifested, right? Like God's truth is manifested. And when that happens, we're transformed. And I think that I wish I knew that when I was getting into the nitty gritty of faith, because I would take faith as this thing for a task, for my finances, for my marriage, for whatever. And then I would pay very little attention to what's actually happening in my heart and what God's trying to do with me. So I think that's all I want to share with you guys. I guess I'll just do a quick recap just because I kind of threw a lot at you real fast. Is that good with you guys? Cool. So testing. Well, first of all, going back to this whole thing, faith is a direct deposit from the Father. It's, it's, a, it's a God has spoken something and I have a confidence, uh, uh, an absolute trust, a complete reliance on what the Father has said. And for me to actually... Not watch that die. For that to actually do something in my life, I have to do something with it. And that pressure is not on me. It's actually on God to prove it in me. So testing is not a pass or fail situation. In every situation as it changes, in every, in every circumstance you go into as it changes, it's not about did you get it right, did you get it wrong. It's about did God get an opportunity to manifest what he put inside of you? Testing is about manifesting. And then, and then, each task that we accomplish with faith, it's wonderful, but God is not really concerned about you carrying a bucket or carrying a bag or you having a son. He's, he's more worried about you becoming the father of many nations, you being a strong man. What is he speaking to you and solidifying that identity in you? And if we get a new situation, it doesn't mean that God has to give us a new word. Now, he will speak some new things to us. Don't get me wrong about that. But oftentimes we look for the new thing instead of doing what God told us to do. The new expression is a new opportunity for God to put weight on what word he put inside of us. So, that's everything. Does that help? All right, well, let me pray for you then. Jesus, I thank you so much. I thank you so much for being the author of our faith. Thank you, God, that everything that I believe, everything that, that, um, that I'm persuaded by, every input that came from the Father came from you. You, may, you gave me access to it. And so I thank you, Jesus, for authoring our faith. Oh, Jesus, I can't thank you enough. Where in the world would I be without you authoring my faith? Goodness gracious, I would be stuck looking at facts in this world and being, being subject to them. I'll be stuck. I'll be only good as, a, as my surroundings. I thank you that you brought me up out of darkness and you transformed, you brought me into light. That I can actually trust in your light and I will become a child of the light. That we can put our trust in this wonderful Father and, and He can seed our lives. 
So thank you for what you're doing in authoring, and I thank you, God, for being the finisher, for making our trust in you complete. And if there's any area that's lacking, Jesus, you are so faithful to finish what you started in us. I thank you for every prophetic word spoken over each individual. I thank you for every prophetic word spoken over each family and this family as a house. I thank you for it, that you've been faithful to give it, but you are faithful to finish it and complete it. If there's any area that it hasn't been fully matured or fully expressed, if we're still carrying paper bags around thinking we're big and bad, I thank you, God, for handing us buckets. I thank you, God for putting a demand on what you put inside of us, for putting some weight on what you put in our hearts, God. I thank you, Jesus. Only you could do it, so we honor you for it now. I thank you for the individual, private conversations that people have with you in the word and that lead them into this beautiful place of your living word, deposited straight from you into their guts. I thank you for a people who know how to live faith. And I thank you, God, for unhindering it for us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.